Hi, welcome to another episode of Life Beyond Our Wildest Dreams Recovery Podcast. My name is Denise and I'm the host. And today we have a special guest with us. Today we have Anne Blakeney from Churro, Nova Scotia in Canada. And well, that's great for the Canadians because we've had a lot of U.S. and guests from the U.K., and uh, Anne was sober, is sober 16 years from alcohol in recovery and a sober mother of two. Anne also has our host on the um, Letting Go of the Thief International Book Group for almost a year. And she's on uh, a break now or has turned it over to Lori. And you've all ha- heard the podcast with Lori. So we wanted to get Anne on here today. And we're going to take a little bit of a different spin Anne's experience has been something that a lot of people have gone through in recovery, long-term recovery. As I mentioned, she had been 16, she is 16 years sober. And about 12 years into her recovery, Anne left the rooms. And so her story is a little bit different. So we're not going to start off today from what we normally do with the first question of when Anne became sick and tired of being sick and tired we're going to approach it a little bit differently and start with her in 12 years of recovery so Anne, welcome to the podcast Can you thank you Denise. yes there, it's good to be here good our volume is good so that's great good to have you today so Anne, basically you i start off right from the start of recovery but in your case we're going to pick up where you were super active in your former recovery and service work and everything else and you had a very strong recovery your first 12 years can you let people know you know a little bit about that and then what led up to you leaving rooms um yeah, I was I was very active, and um, um, I I was in a relationship, and he was not involved with twelve um, step recovery, and um, the meetings that I had been attending uh, ended, and instead of going to different meetings, I just uh, decided well. You know, I wasn't going to drink, so therefore, I didn't need to go to meetings. Uh, unfortunately, um, not only the meetings, but um, the spiritual side left. And uh, I just, you know, thought I was happy, joyous, and free um, until. So, um, and you and I have both kind of experienced in a different stage and different kind of parallel stories. I was much further down at 25 years when, um, you know, I also stopped going into the rooms for periods of time, work got in the way. In your case, you're saying relationship took priority. Basically, in both cases, uh, it sounds like recovery lost its priority. And, you know, we do what we do. And so I know for myself, it was a it was a very, very hard bottom almost more of a mental emotional bottom than it was when I first stopped drinking. What was your experience with um, how that declined? I mean, you obviously didn't think you were happy, joyous and free after a while. No. And, and uh, a a lot of my uh, character defects came out 
Um, I experienced jealousy, which uh, I had never experienced before. Um, I, I changed. I, uh, I was basically, to put it bluntly, crazy. Um, I still didn't take a drink, but um, the insanity returned. And there is no worse feeling. There wasn't for me. And I don't know, you know, it sounds like you're saying a similar thing. I remember just thinking to myself, I am stone sober and out of my mind. And it would have been better if I drank. It was horrible. And so it sounds like you're describing the same type of thing, that kind of mental torment. Yes. And, and I, I didn't know what to do with it. Um, I, I didn't have a sponsor. Um, I didn't go to my higher power and ask for guidance. I just thought, you know, um, I can fix this. Um, you know, and self-reliance doesn't work. And I knew that. But, but what I knew in my head and what I knew in my heart were two different things. Um, the relationship that I, that I was in ended and I was left mentally, spiritually, and physically unfit. So would you agree that for people like us, when these kinds of things happen and we've had a few years behind us, is it, would you think it would be fair to say that ego gets in the way and, you know, we're pretty at that case when we've had 10 years or more behind us, my experience was, is nobody was really going to question me because I could hide behind that sobriety. Um, you know, no one was going to question me what I was doing. And the more I became detached, like you said, without sponsor, without meetings, whatever, who's really going to question us? Because they figure after 10 years or so, you know what you're doing. And then for me, and I don't know if this was the case with you, on my mind, because the disease centers in my mind, my mind told me that I knew what I was doing and I'd just ride it out and everything would be okay. Well, that's just the base of the disease. Nothing ever was going to be okay. Was that the same with you? Yes. I, you know, um, I started putting the masks on again, you know, um, I'd be one person, one place, and um, someone else in another spot. Outwardly, I was happy, um, coping with everything, and inwardly, I was falling apart. So it's the same thing as drinking, right? Because the thing is, just so that some of the people who haven't experienced this yet get the idea that really in sobriety when these things happen it's no different because we revert do you not agree back to the same old behavior we revert back to the so-called coping skills which got us into problems and then we are too ashamed i know i was too ashamed and too much guilt to reach out for help so all the defects like you said and all the isms come out right away it did with me and then i became that old person with the old defects and the old isms just without a drink that's entirely true and um even as being host uh, of the uh, 
the book group, um, I was trying to change it and I really didn't know what I wanted to change. I didn't know um, how to get through this. I did get a sponsor um, who was very helpful, but there were, there were things that I just wouldn't accept um, and couldn't accept. And, uh, you know, I read the story on acceptance for seven days in a row, but I still couldn't accept what was going on. And uh, so I had to start working with someone who had some experience with emotional sobriety. And, uh, and, and that's been very helpful, very helpful. And I and think the I've, main thing. The main thing is you're saying you're willing to do what you need to do. You, you identified that, you know, it tells us in 12 step programs, our sponsors aren't therapists. They're not professionals. None of us in 12 step programs are intended to be specialists or give advice. So really it does encourage us that when we aren't getting what we need, we do have to go to where we can get it met. So it sounds like you went through that process to find out that definitely having a sponsor was better than not having a sponsor. So that was a move in the right direction. And I know myself too, and while I was going through the whole emotional sobriety process and everything, I just felt the same thing, putting on a mask here and there so I could identify. And the scary part for me was that is that is completely what I do in drinking, but I'm doing it dry. And I won't use the word sober because sober to me is a state of mind. And I was not in a sober state of mind through any of this. And, you know, trying, like you said, the process to find how do we crawl out of this? How do we, you know, how do we do the, you know, get the help we need? And then how do we actually, like you said, accept? And it was harder for me to accept in recovery and having had years of recovery in a couple of decades, it was a lot harder for me to accept I was in this mess than it was even when I was drunken in a mess. So I kind of felt like a hypocrite. So I don't know if that's what you're saying, like when you're hosting a group or whatever else, and then you kind of feel within yourself an awkwardness because you kind of know that you're not, you're not, you know, you know what you're going through. And, you know, I'm not putting words into your mouth, but I know that for me, that was it. Anytime I'd be in any kind of meeting or anything, I just knew I was dying inside. And it just made it so much harder. Yeah. Um, yes, it, that definitely was true for me. Um, well, you did an you awesome know. group. You did an awesome <laughs> job, I got to tell you. Well, thank you. But when I, when I decided that I needed to take a break, it, you know, I, I really miss that group and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll get a chance to check in sometime soon, but. Um, well, and you can just come as a participant, you know, when you feel yeah. up to it and when you want to, you know, Lori's doing a great job of hosting as you did. And the thing is, it's great to rotate that anyway. And I think, you know, you, you don't have any problem with coming on your own terms when you feel like it and being a participant, you know, instead of, you know, there's no judgment, there's no, um, nobody has any kind of expectations, but I mean, you certainly don't have to be backward about showing up because you did a wonderful job 
And, you know, everything comes to an end. I'm a big believer in rotation. I did it in the beginning, rotated you, we rotated it to Lori, she'll rotate it to somebody. And I, I mean, I think that's better for the group anyway. Yes. Um, you know, we all have different perspectives and uh, everyone, um, I, I, I have complete faith in Lori. Um, when she volunteered, I thought, great, you know, I have no problem in leaving it in her capable hands. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been some hard work. You know, I've had to go through some grieving. I've had to um, not only go through uh, acceptance, but, you know, I have to do, I have to do some forgiveness. I have to forgive myself and then I also have to forgive that other person. And so in order to get to acceptance, I have to forgive first. And uh, in the beginning, you know, I prayed for the willingness to be willing to forgive. And now I'm willing to forgive and I'm praying for that. And, you know, things are working little by slowly, but they're working. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting healthier. Um, I don't know if it's your experience, but my experience is as someone who's 61 years old, um, you know, for me, what happened to me is I sobered up quite young. So say I was 21 when I came in. Okay. So here, 25 years later, I'm 35 and, you know, now I'm 60 or 61. The thing is, is that, you know, (laughs) I just find myself, it's so hard to make the adjustments. You know, there's things I've had to accept in the last year or so in my own life and our life. And I find it really hard the older I am. I'm not saying this is your case, but for me, it's not as easy to do the the forgiveness and the spiritual work and the mental work as it used to be. So, you know, I really think that you need to give yourself credit that you are, you know, it sounds like you're making progress. You've taken the time to work on this. You're working on it. And the main thing is you came back into the rooms, what, about 16 months ago, I think, when I met you? Yes. So why don't you let everybody know what led you back into the rooms? What what point did you get to that was the turning point when you realized that, you were dry and crazy and this wasn't working. <laughs> and I mean that uh, um, very respectfully. Well, no, but, but, you know, um, when I got dumped into my uh, apartment um, and, and that's how I felt, uh, I decided, of course, there were no meetings at that time and everything was on zoom. I had a very good friend that, uh, started giving me zoom numbers and uh so i started going to different zoom meetings and can i just ask you before you continue what did you think about zoom as a person who had been in recovery for a long time like did you have any reservations about it um i did uh when i was still in the relationship i thought about doing zoom and then i thought oh well that's just going to inconvenience them right so so i didn't and and i regret that but you know um i think 
I believe that in this 12-step program, things happen for a reason. And I, I believe that people are put in our path um, when we need them. And things are put in our path when we need it. And Zoom meetings were put in my path. And, and I needed them. And, uh, you know, meeting you and, and various others from the UK and a lot of the, the people that you've probably interviewed on this podcast, um, those people individually have, have changed my life in, in, their, in their ways. Um, you know, uh, a good friend who, um, who's part of the, the book group um, sent me a pamphlet on acceptance. And uh, actually, I, I think he actually got it from um, 12-step headquarters kind of thing. Um, but, you know, it, it really meant something to me that, you know, he would take the time to, to mail these. And so, you know, um, the people that I've met have really, really enhanced my my recovery and my willingness to be willing. And I think also with COVID, you know, I kind of get frustrated. Hear people say, oh, well, it's, you know, it's been the worst year of my life and blah, 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 blah. Because like yourself, I mean, and I was rigid. Those who know me, you know, I had been, I was in a program of singleness of purpose and I did things the way I did them for 37 years. I didn't go out of the box. It's all I knew. And so it was really hard for me to accept that, you know, um, first of all, that they were going to have meetings on zoom. Secondly, you know, it was just the whole thing was difficult for me to understand. And so I also had to have the willingness of an open mind. And I'm glad that I did because it showed me that I'm capable even at this age and stage and this stage of almost 40 years of recovery that you still can teach an old dog new tricks. And that, you know, had I not gone to Zoom, gone to the meetings on Zoom, met some most of the same people you're talking about, each person has something to contribute and they have to my journey. My recovery has been renewed for people like us. Do you not agree that it's a whole renewal process? And where would we be without that? You know, to me, it's been a blessing. And um, I'm not sure what would have happened because I'm disabled. I can't go to face-to-face -face meetings now because of Charlie's condition. I can't carry anything to her. Uh, so, you know, where would I have been? Would I have gone down that deep rabbit hole again? I don't know for sure. So I'm really grateful for the willingness to at least try it. And if you had told me two years ago, and some people really laugh at me because I was so rigid about it, and then they're just laughing their ass off that I'm on a podcast. No, I am. Um... I agree with with what you're saying, it, and it has it has made a, a huge difference. And before I end, I just want to read this this uh, piece of information that I got um, that uh, I read it every day, and it's uh, it's just a saying, and I don't I don't even remember where it got where it came from, but it. It, it made sense to me in all, in all this uh, turmoil that I was in. To get over the past, you first have to accept the past is over. 
no matter how many times you revisit it, it's over. It can't hurt you anymore. Yeah. And I don't so. believe that you can move on in anything. Um, you know, we've had a situation today where we have to move into a different direction on some things in our own lives. And the thing is, you can't go on those directions. You can't go down those next paths until you get off the other path. That's correct. Oh, that is really a really good point. Now, Anne, just in closing, is there anything at all that you would say to people that find themselves sober? Um, you know, sometimes it's been referred to as stuck and sober. Um, you know, dry, drunk, anything like that, all the different terminologies we have, but they find themselves moving further and further from meetings and, or maybe not going to meetings at all. Maybe a sponsor's died or changed sponsors, but don't get another sponsor. If you had three things that you could think of to recommend to people uh, to get themselves back on track, what would it be? Mm. I would suggest that um, if, if you can't get a sponsor, then get in touch with your higher power. Um, go on Zoom meetings. Um, those meetings, you know, I've sponsored people uh, all over the world and uh, the meetings have helped um, and, and the sponsorship has helped. And the other thing is that, um, you know, you, you have to, you have to connect with people and don't isolate. I mean, I did that for a while and that just made me even worse. So, you know, um, connect with people, uh, use your knowledge to help others and definitely connect with your higher power. And, ma and make sure you have a sponsor, you know, I have to add, even, I have to add. even a temporary sponsor. If you, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, someone I, that you can talk to. Yeah. I think it's so important to have a go-to as long as you've got a go-to person, you can check things out with and get them out of your head and out of your mouth and get them into somebody else's ears and their brain. Um, yeah. Because when we're in this stage, we're trying to, we're trying to fix and find the solution in the same sick brain that got us that way. And it's just a losing battle. And I think the biggest thing too, that we would agree on from our experiences and you just mentioned connect, 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 you know, I'm connected with the Twitter uh, recovery posse. You're connected on with people on Facebook. Uh, Jane has her recovery garden. I mean, there's lots of different ways. We've got the book group, uh, some of us just have regular meetings. There's recovery art. There's all different types of ways for people to connect. So I think your message today is that basically to crawl out of something like that, don't have shame, don't have guilt, but be willing to put an end to the past and get on with the future. Most uh, definitely. So I really appreciate everything you've shared with us today here. And, you know, I think it'll be really helpful because to be honest with you, I'm a firm believer the suffering alcoholic isn't always the newcomer. 
many, many times it's the old timers and it's the people who have gotten into these situations or are on dry drunks or, you know, they've just lost the connection. So no matter what, it's because the connection, whatever the connection is, is lost. So I think that, you know, there will be some people who will really benefit from you sharing your story. And I thank you so much for doing that today. And I look forward to seeing you at some point at the book group and otherwise we'll be in touch and just thank you so much for sharing your story and your time. And I wish you all the best with your emotional recovery journey. I am still on it. (laughs) I think I will, I think I will be to the day I die. No, I I think, I, I think that there's, there are endings. I think, uh, or I'm hopeful there are endings um, and, and I can move on. And, you know, once you've moved on, I, I'm sure there'll be something else put in my path that will uh, make me work towards, you know, keeping my sobriety because. And, me, and I think history me, shows us that. Thing there is, right? Yeah. And I think we've got enough experience history showing us that, right? Is that one, I mean, it's a crazy saying, but one door closes, another one opens. Sometimes it's not the door, it's a window. But there's always another path. And uh, it's many, many paths. And there's no one exact path that's going to fit all. So, you know, I think you're right. Every time something ends, something else new begins. And I think that's just the cycle of life, of recovery. And uh, so I'm just glad that you're on the new path and I wish you all the best with that. And I will talk to you really soon. Thanks, Denise. Thanks, Anne, for your time. Okay. Bye. Have a good day.